What's going on, everybody? Jordan Trafford back again here Tuesday, January the 21st. Uh, welcome back to episode number, or welcome back to Soft Dump in the Corner. This is episode number seven. Uh, let's jump right back into it. Uh, a few news and notes that I'd like to just jump right into around the league. Uh, first off, Joel Pavelski. Uh, shout out to him. Thousand games played uh, in the NHL. What an amazing career that he's had. Uh, was never the highly touted prospect that came into the league has always worked put in that put in the extra uh put in the extra drive uh to become the player that he has um all you ever hear about is the the leadership that he brings the work ethic that he puts in uh so you know absolutely tremendous to to see a guy reach this type of milestone uh i'm not sure if you did end up seeing it first game back uh in san jose what an amazing uh, ovation that he received. Uh, it seemed to go on for, you know, a few minutes. Uh, Well-deserved, absolutely. The crowd loves him there. Former captain, of course. Um, can't say enough about him. Um, a tremendous skill set, to say the least. He brings a, something for that Dallas Stars team that, that personally I believe they needed in, in not just that net front presence alone, but... I, you know, you can dial in just how good he actually is in front of the net, deflecting pucks, uh, you know, getting the space that he needs, understanding where the puck's going to end up if if it's a rebound, where he needs to be to get himself in position. One of those players that you just watch and you just sit there and say, wow, he is always in the right position. He's always trying super hard. It sounds very cliche, but he's putting in that extra work. He's winning puck battles. Uh, great player to have in your team uh, so great to see the ovation he got back in San Jose uh, speaking of a former player of his Patrick Marlowe played in game number 1700 last week that's a lot of NHL games to say the least um, to put your body through everything that he's done uh, on and off the ice to continue what he's doing at this age unbelievable so again to both those guys to play not only a thousand but to to play 1700 uh and counting uh is amazing so well done to both of those guys uh speaking of another thousand patty kane reached a thousand points the other night absolutely what an absolute stud um i'll go into that a little bit later but thousand points congratulations to patrick kane uh three cups as well so far in your career so uh, it's safe to say that uh, you're well on your way to uh, to the Hall of Fame, and uh, I'm sure we'll see quite a few uh, Patty Kane moments uh, in the near future because he doesn't look like he's slowing down by any means. Uh, jump right into the next thing. So this is one of th one of my my, my big points here. Um, I'm gonna be try and be as unbiased as possible, considering it was was part of the team that I cheer for, but. I'm sure you can all know where I'm going with this is the Zach Cassian Matthew Kachuk incident. I completely understand Kachuk's point of view and saying they're not dirty hits, uh, they're hockey plays. Um, you know, he doesn't have to fight, so on and so forth. I can understand Cassian's point of view saying, hey, you know what? It's a hockey hit, it's a predatory hit, and that's fine. Um, I want to know what's legal, what's not legal something didn't happen from the referee's point of view to police the ice i took advantage that's kind of the the broad spectrum where you can look at it from both point of views where i want to dial in where i am a little bit frustrated with 
how it played out with what what the NHL decided to do. My my biggest concern is more not so much just this particular incident. It then becomes to, you know, what happens elsewhere around the league, which is actually a point that I'm going to be getting to later. To to get back to the specifics of that incident, it frustrates me that the first hit was never penalized. When you look at the hit, he uh, Kachuk, excuse me, leaves his check, you know, five ten feet away from the play itself, to go down and hit Cassian. That is not the illegal part of what I'm discussing here. The the part that frustrates me is, you know what, call it a check to the shoulder first and then there is head contact or not. That has been dialed down by the NHL and the NHL PA, player safety, everybody, to get rid of the quote-unquote headshots. Now, because it wasn't a star player, because you know, there wasn't maybe an injury on the play. I don't know. I don't, I'm not understanding everything I'm sure, and I don't see everything from uh, the extra video, from the player's insight, so on and so forth. But as a fan, it's very frustrating to sit there and see someone get run at uh, and see the play where it's a headshot and physically has been called over and over time and time again, not just this season, but in, in the past previous seasons where they're starting to really dial in on it. There was no original penalty on the play. That right there would have set the tone for the rest of the game to say, hey, you cannot be doing that. That is going to be a penalty, uh, Kachuk. And you wouldn't have had the second and or third run in. At that point in time, the second time is obviously where uh, Cassian is going to sit there and say, okay, this guy's sitting here running at me, taking shots that he doesn't need to make. That's okay. As Cassian said, I believe, quote unquote, that's predatory hockey and that's big boy hockey and that's okay with him. He wants that. He's okay with that. He understands what comes with that. The point that I'm ultimately blabbering on about and that I don't need to go on any further about is if you are going to make that hit, unfortunately, sometimes you are going to have to play the other end of the spectrum. It may not have to come that game. I understand the point of the game. It was a tie game. It was late in the game. Sure, maybe you don't have to fight at that particular time, but just be extremely careful of your actions on the ice and what you choose to do because everybody else is taking note of that and they will see that and they will take that into their back sleeve and they'll go, okay, what now is legal? What isn't legal? Let's maybe test the limits a little bit more and find out what it is. So what you're doing is not okay out there, Kachuk. I I think you're a tremendous hockey player. You're extremely gifted. And you know what? You do your job on the ice of antagonizing just about as good as anyone, if not the best out there. But only thing I'm saying is just be extremely careful of what you're doing out there because sometimes you may not realize it and you step over the line uh, and, and it does you know piss a lot of people off so uh, that's all I'm going to say on that one final note that I'd like to just bring up very quickly uh, holy shit Morgan Riley's out uh, I swear the whole city of Toronto's in flames um, their D-line was already depleted enough let alone without losing their best uh, defenseman now having to bring up inexperienced um, players uh, in Sandine uh, and potentially even Lilligren, put them into the lineup against, against some NHL opponents, especially while 
getting into the later half of the season where, you know, the pace starts to pick up everything, it's going to be extremely tough. I'm very interested to see what happens in the next few weeks. Um, I think, if anything, it's very good for the Leafs to go into a bit of a break, kind of refresh their mind, um, because they they certainly have not been very strong, uh, to say the least, uh, giving up quite a few uh, goals. Um, you're starting to see what happens if Freddie Anderson, unfortunately, has uh, an average to mediocre game at best. Um, the Leafs have been relying essentially on Anderson to be winning them hockey games and and truthfully he has Anderson's played phenomenal this season you've been seeing in the last 10 games or so that unfortunately he can't just win every single game for uh you know by himself they're 4-3-3 in their last 10 games okay respectable the problem is is that they're giving up a lot more goals than they have been certainly in the the beginning of the season I'm not saying that's entirely reflected on Riley because there's certainly more players than just the one out there Um, but it takes a lot of that offense to sit there and say okay I can't you know chip every time I can't play uh, you know deep every single time I need to be aware of what's going on and make myself sure or make sure that I'm not putting myself excuse me uh, into a poor position out on the ice and it's incredible to see how many odd man rushes continuously happen against the Leafs because they just have someone jump up in the play or they make a poor pinch or you know whatever it might be that just catches someone and just like that NHL opponents are going to make you pay for it. So I'm interested to see I'm going to talk a little bit further about that uh, about the Leafs as a whole um, but uh, let's go into sort of mid-season uh, sort of report where where, pe- where teams are at, where I maybe kind of thought they were at type of deal, uh, starting out with Dallas. So, hey, I owe a big apology to the Dallas Stars. I, I didn't write their season off. If you kind of go back and listen to a few of my episodes, I, I, I drove the fact that I knew they were going to turn it around. I didn't think they were going to turn it around, you know, so drastically. Um, just in the sense of just blowing team, not blowing teams away, but just seemingly taking away everything that they have and just really suffocating teams. Um, Sometimes maybe they're not the most fun team to watch, uh, especially uh, when they do get into a little bit of a a chess match, if you will. Um, But shout out to the Dallas Stars. They're 7-3 in their last 10. Um, They have lost two in a row. I I believe they did go on a 10-game win streak, or I know it was a pretty pretty good point streak of uh, 10-11 games or or so. Um, So ultimately getting back into their season uh for sure they're currently as of today sitting third in the central um they're four points back colorado 10 points back of st louis uh st louis continuous uh continues to just keep winning hockey games uh even though they've uh, been on uh you know uh, just about a 500 uh streak in their last 10 games so um you know kudos to the to the dallas stars um Again, Toronto is, is a team that I that I have listed as well here. Um, I'm gonna go on 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 a limb and say I think this is the first time that I've almost talked to on the Leafs that they were a uh, you know, questionable team to actually make the playoffs. I know it sounds crazy, and I, I certainly think that they're gonna turn things around and make the playoffs. Um, the teams ahead of them. Uh, you know, dealing with Philly, Carolina, Columbus type, Florida. I 
you know, even New York Islanders. I think the Leafs are better hockey teams than them. Uh, I really do. Um, but, you know, you, you can't win hockey games on just skill alone. Um, I know Sheldon Keefe came out the other day and, and called the team immature, uh, you know, basically pointing the finger at the Florida game the other night where they had three games off, uh, three days off, excuse me. Uh, you know, everyone knows you're out partying Friday. So if you're going to, you know, know that that's going to happen and people are going to know that at least show up for the game two days later and and they didn't they got absolutely blown out of the water and then you know a few days later as well uh, another loss so they just haven't looked like that same confidence uh, or the team hasn't looked like they've carried the same confidence uh, and that hurts for the most part and then obviously with the Riley injury like I said it doesn't help uh, the Mikheyev injury uh, took away another piece of their top six you could argue that uh, Pierre Engvall stepped in and, and really um, you know drove that um, middle to, to uh, you know I should say bottom six to middle six type of uh, offense uh, he's been you know great stepping into that spot so you know not to say what they've you know haven't been able to do but it's just one of those one of those teams that just haven't been able to find that um, you know that groove consistently um, and, and they've been in a bit of a slump lately and like I said they can't rely on Anderson to do everything so um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after the uh, all-star break when there's a few teams that are going to be playing a few games this week uh, and then after the all-star break uh, they're already sitting outside of a playoff position so uh, now it just simply becomes by how many points as of right now they're sitting with 57 points uh, through the 49 games played uh, Philadelphia Carolina Columbus all sit in front of them for that final wild card position um, Carolina and Columbus obviously not in the same division so Toronto would have to leapfrog um, Florida essentially to get up into the third spot in the Atlantic um, now like I said there's a few games to be played uh, in the next two or three days before the final uh, games played before all-star break uh, it's now just a, a matter of how many points are the Leafs going to be out of a final playoff position heading into it uh, jumping into the West very quickly here too. Uh, third and eighth in the West are only separated by one point. Again, third and eighth in the West by one point. That's crazy. That that is not something you normally see this late into the season. Um, you certainly can't write many teams off, but uh, you know, unfortunately, you're. Uh, LA's Anaheim San Jose even Minnesota's flirting uh, to that line where you're kind of you know almost you know done at this point obviously a few teams in the in the east as well uh, you know good riddance to uh, to Detroit this season was almost done before it started New Jersey Ottawa um, so there, there are a few teams like a, you know that Unfortunately, their season is just about up, um, but it's a very tight race, essentially, is what I'm trying to get at in the West. Uh, one of those teams that I have uh, circled here that I think could be a player in the, uh, in the push for a playoff spot uh, is Chicago. They're on a five-game win streak. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're finally starting to click here. Um, they've been, you know, plagued by injury, to say the least, almost it seems the entire season. Uh, they're only three points out of a wild card position as of right now with Winnipeg, Arizona, and then Vegas uh, in front of them. Um, 
Winnipeg or excuse me, Chicago does have a game on hand on Vegas and Arizona, uh, at which they could bring them into a, a point of wit, uh, of them uh, at the same uh, games played mark. Um, point of which is is Chicago's been really pushing pushing the pace, if you will. I've noticed. I I, I have watched the, a few of the games in the last two weeks or so. And it seems like they're playing a fast game. Now, that sounds extremely cliche. I get that. But they're, when you watch it, they're really stretching the, pa- the, the, stretching the play. They're pushing the pace of the, onto the defense. Um, obviously, when you have guys like Patrick Kane out there, uh, and, and even Taves has looks, uh, looked like the superstar that we know Jonathan Taves is. Um, and obviously, Debrinket, the scorer that he has, Strom, the playmaking ability that he has. Uh, obviously, your studs in the back end. Um, or stud, I should at least say, uh, with Duncan Keith. They have the pieces. It's incredible how they just don't seem to go away, even with age, even with the cap. It's They've done a tremendous job, excuse me, over the years um, to, to maintain that. Uh, one of the things I had here, obviously, like I said, is their injuries. I mean, they've, I can't, I, I should have double checked on total man game loss this year, but between you know their injuries to to Andrew Shaw to Drake Kajula, Kajula brings an incredible amount of speed. He may not play top you know line so to speak, but you can mix him in with the top six and at least bring that speed uh, speed and bring a little bit of skill. Uh, I know he did have a little bit of uh, chemistry at one time at least with uh, with Patrick Kane. They're a very similar players, so he's a guy that you can bring up and down the lineup. Brandon Saad as well, a guy that is just a workhorse, uh, has always been a tremendous player for that team. And and having a guy like that out loses the leadership in the dressing room, you know, definitely shakes it up in the top six. You get players that uh, are forced to jump up and play in different roles. Um, Even on the back end, they've had their injuries, Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan. You know, so again, you can't stress how amazing it is to see a team with such injury lost, um, to play to play the, the way they are. I understand that you can sit there and say, well, okay, Jordan, there's 10 other teams in the league that are doing that too. But okay, sure. It's nice to see a team that you maybe have not necessarily rode out, but I don't think a lot of teams really expected Chicago to maybe not so much take a step forward this year, but they were kind of questioning saying, where are they going to fall? Like, are we starting to see a decline in, you know, your Brent Seabrooks, what's going to happen with Duncan Keith, you know, eventually his feet are going to slow down. Uh, Jonathan Taves and, and Patrick Kane can't carry the load forever, but they continuously get the job done. And how can you not when you're being led by those guys? And even too, I have as my final point uh, point here. Excuse me, um, Leonard versus Crawford. I don't know if you can say uh, versus. I, I should almost, for lack of a better term, I should say Leonard and Crawford. Um, but that's that constant, you know internal goalie battle which is amazing to have but for any organization uh they've played just about the same amount of games i believe leonard's sitting at 28 versus crawford's uh 25 i believe something in that range um leonard right now holding a 231 uh goals against and a 924 save percentage as opposed to crawford's 296 goals against 910 save percentage so like I said, Leonard's getting the job done. They're clearly riding the hot hand, um, and and he's forcing um, you know the the Blackhawks to you know, essentially say, okay, well, what am I going to do? You can't just go back to Crawford if you you know or keep if you keep winning with uh, with Leonard. So 
you know, shout out to Leonard. Great job. You're earning the contract. A lot of people said that they, you know, last year playing with the Islanders that that was going to be a write-off. But I have always said he couldn't be a good goalie. It just maybe he needs to play on the right team. Maybe he needs to have the, you know, the Devin Dubnik effect where he just falls into the right team and, and gets his time, gets his playing time. And, and, you know, it just works, right? So, you know, great job for the Blackhawks. How about a great job, another team, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are currently sitting in their f- in first wildcard position in the East, and a team that, you know, maybe not expected again, like the Blackhawks, that very, very similar team where it's like, yeah, you lost a lot. Where are you going to be? You got no goaltending. You got very, very few uh, players offensively up front that are going to get the job done. You do have a few studs on defense, but can you win? they're proving that they can win eight and two in their last 10 they're on a five game win streak um tortorella for jack adams coach of the year i mean what a job that guy must be doing for these kids that's a a team that's basically written off didn't weren't able to i I shouldn't even say weren't able to resign because i don't even think they've ever had a chance panarin gone duchene gone bobrovsky gone they're still doing it uh, bringing in uh, my man Elvis Mers Lincolns, three shutouts in four games, four wins in a row. Uh, what do you want from a from a goalie that you maybe didn't expect to come in even to to play a game in the NHL? Corpus Salo's had an unbelievable season too. There are 26, uh, 26 wins already on the season. Sixteen losses, eight overtime losses. Yeah, eight overtime losses. Add another three, four points on that. You're right in the hunt for the. Uh, uh, you know, playoffs right now, let alone they're almost competing for second place, if I do the math correctly, in the Metro. So, unreal by them, to say the uh, to say the least. They, too, have had uh, quite a few injuries to their top six. Atkinson has missed quite a few games. I think he's played around 36 games, I believe. Uh, Bjorkstrand, and even their uh, their t- the highly-touted uh, rookie of last year, that Tishier, Alex Tishier, um, who brings a lot of speed and skill to their top six, has been out for a lot of the uh, season, too. So, you know, kudos to, you know, uh, Jones and Wierenski on the back, and they're you know, top, top defensemen on any team in the league. And, you know, they obviously on their on, on the same team can shut down quite a few, uh, you know, top lines and, and produce offensively at the same time too. So um, as well as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, that, that kid is fun to watch. Gets it done at both ends of the ice. Um, if you want a comparative, and I know it's a, it's a big reach, but your Bergeron's Barkovs, well, you know, he kind of falls into that sort of, underrated Sean Couturier uh, where you know status or Sean Monaghan where you're like this kid's going to become one of those better two-way centers in the league Uh, people question him getting high uh, you know picked so high at the time Um, and not many people were sure that he was going to live up to expectation and all he's done seemingly um, has driven um, you know that team to, to you know to a higher level of offense, if you will. I mean, that kind of sounds dumb, but um, he brings a different level of offense, which is which is great for that team. He stepped up uh, in the absence of losing the you know a lot of their big players as of last year. So, uh, shout out to Tortorella. Uh, that's all I can say with that. The Blue Jackets look like they're uh, you know playing for one another, so to speak. So, um, I think that's extremely underrated when you look at team chemistry and. 
you never know. It just takes one, you know, one good push at the end of the year. And, and look what the look what the Blue Jackets did last year. They got rid of Tampa Bay Lightning, who were cup favorites, easy uh, heading into the playoffs. So it just takes the right timing to get hot. So you never know what's going to happen with them. I'm not entirely sure they're going to be able to hold it off, especially with uh, teams like, uh, you know, Philly, Toronto, Buffalo, Toronto especially, uh, nipping at their feet towards the end of the season because they're all going to want to make a push. So, um Interesting to see the least what's what's going to happen into the second half. And uh, speaking of second half, I do have a few projections here. Now, I tried not to go too quote unquote hot take with it, but I, I just kind of put a few in into uh, a list here of just uh, things I thought might happen, might that we might see what I would expect, so to speak, based on what I've been watching um, and even hearing, if you will. Um, first one here that I've got, I have Dustin Bufflin turning to the Jets. Um, not sure exactly what's going on with the injuries, uh, to him or the, you know, whatever the dispute might be between them and the, uh, the agent and the Jets, uh, organization of the whole, I think that they're getting to, a, maybe not to a point where they're like, Hey, we need you. Um, but they're sitting here saying, Hey, like, Let's get this figured out. I we really would like to have you, and and the Jets are clearly a better team with him. Um, you know that depleted off uh, defense, excuse me, um, and just seem to be getting injury after injury. So it's one of those things where they could really, really get a guy back like that. I know they're losing um, uh, Lowry out for a month. I believe just happened yesterday or the day before. So excuse me, he left uh, the the game against the Blackhawks the other night. Uh, so there he's out at least a month. Uh, it's saying with an upper body injury. So again, just shot after shot for them. Uh, and they're still in the run. They're only three points back with two games to play or two games in hand, excuse me, as I stated earlier of Arizona and Vegas. So they win both those games. They're right up there into uh, a tie with Dallas. Uh, actually, no, excuse me. They would hold the first wild card position because Dallas would have games in hand. Um, so there you go. It's that close. Uh, second, uh, <laughs> weird saying it from my perspective from an Oilers fan, but uh, I have Austin Matthews winning the Rocket with 58 goals. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's on pace for 60. He's almost on pace for more. Yeah, well... Go back last, let's just say, 10 years or so. How many 60-goal scores have we had? I got a question, too. How many times has Alexander Ovechkin scored 60 goals? Well, there you go. The answer is he scored one time, and the other one is Stamkos. And, well, my buddy would laugh at this one, but he scored 10 empty netters that, that year, too. So those certainly help. However... It doesn't happen often that they get 60 is my point. Uh, I think Matthews is certainly capable of scoring 58 goals, um, especially the way that Sheldon Keefe has been able to increase his minutes, give him a little bit more, uh, you know, if you want to say, I'm trying to use an NBA term, power, so to speak, out on the ice to demand the puck and say, I want it and I'm going to shoot it. And he's given him the, you know, the puck to say, hey, make something happen, right? So uh, you're starting to see maybe a little bit of a different setup uh, on uh, the power play, especially um, getting Matthews to shoot more. And he's starting to, to actually to show the league that he can produce a one-timer, um, not to mention how good he is with deflecting pucks in front of the net too. So um, 
they've got a great goal scorer on their hands and um obviously the only thing that might come in 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 you know in front of him winning the rocket is david pasternak out of boston who is well unfortunately on on pace to, to score even higher than that so um both these guys are amazing to watch the way that they can score uh in many ways um it, it's uh it's a treat for the fans so um I'm excited to see who's going to ultimately lead the goals this year. It'd be, it'd be very, very cool to say the least. Uh, if someone could reach 60, it's something that you do not see very often. Uh, and we've got two goals uh, or two players, excuse me, who are potentially on pace to do so. So exciting stuff. Um, my third point here, my third of four, um, is I have Jack Eichel to lead the lead the NHL in second half points um, uh, from essentially from you know let's just say after the all-star break on so the way that he excuse me the way that he's been able to um, drive that offense and lead the way for that team um, is incredible because you know unfortunately for him he maybe doesn't have another go-to player um, you know, let's just say in the same, I don't want to say the same league, but same ballpark, so to speak of, uh, you know, some other teams. So it, the way that that guy is starting to, to score goals and, and take advantage of a few, uh, uh, odd man rushes or, or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, he's a driving force. He's fun to watch. He, he the way that he can just create that little bit of extra speed, um, from just the, from his strength and his legs and just the way he's just so wide stance, wide framed, uh, and just is gone. And then obviously his hands, his shot, his skill, it's, it's fun to watch. So that's, that's a projection that I have. I think it's a little bit of a reach, like I said, considering those things. But Jack Eichel to lead the league in points during the second half of the season or at least, like I said, as of the All-Star break on. Uh, that's just a quick fun one. I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and pick a Stanley Cup champion right now because uh, ask what happened last year with St. Louis. I don't think that they would appreciate that very much. Um However, I will go out and do a uh, winner of each division projection. Uh, Starting in the Atlantic, I'm going to go with Boston. Uh, I, I know, obviously, with Tampa Bay coming in hot in their last, you know, arguably 10, 15 games, uh, there's a reason to want to pick them. Uh, but they do have two head-to-head games, uh, Boston and Tampa, that is, uh, in the final, um, you know, 32 games or, or whatever for Boston. So, um Having a six-point lead already right now, uh, plus those two games in hand, uh, or, or, well, excuse me, Tampa has two games in hand. However, two of them are will be against Boston the final season, uh, rest of the season. Um, I think ultimately Boston's going to hold on to the lead. I would not be surprised if they actually make a, uh, a trade, uh, you know, via you know, before the deadline or at the deadline, whatever it might be, to uh, to maybe bolster their defense. Um, I, I just think it never hurts to have an extra D-man uh, that can play in the lineup, especially when it comes to playoffs uh, with injuries. Um, you know, ditto with basically everything I'm going to say with the rest of the division winners, but I think Pittsburgh's actually going to come through in the Metro. Uh, everybody's looking at Washington and looking like they're going to blow them, blow everybody away. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not having a good season because they're certainly arguably are the best team in the league this year. 
what I'm trying to say though is look what's happening with Pittsburgh right now. They're rallying around injuries. Um, uh, not to mention they got a guy named uh, oh yeah Sidney Crosby back. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of that guy, but they got him back in the lineup now. So um, they've had injuries with Malkin. Obviously Gensel's out. They've had injuries with you know even Brian Rust earlier in the year. Their defense it looks like they had to call up the little league team for some of their games. They've lost so many guys. It's it's incredible and, and, and obviously too with the um you know as i stated earlier with the chicago uh you know that internal goalie battle with tristan jari and matt murray and tristan jari's been playing fantastic he's been playing phenomenal the guy's putting out shutouts he's closing out games like um you know that you know you, you would expect of a number one goalie to do so to have almost that 1a 1b type of thing is is amazing for pittsburgh and that's a type of team that they can rally around that um because they don't need much motivation when you got guys like Crosby and Malkin leading the way. Latang's been around for, you know, a very long time now too. They do have some other veterans in the lineup. They just need that other, you know, second half of the team to start stepping up and they could be a team to watch out for again. I know it's crazy to say because they've been around for so long winning, but that's what they do. They just win, right? So that team getting healthy again. Look out. They're only four points back of Washington right now. I think they're going to come out and win the Metro this year. Um, coming out of the Central, I think Colorado is going to pull it out. Um, like I said, it's a tough race with St. Louis and uh, Dallas too. Uh, you know, obviously St. Louis uh, going on a huge stretch uh, in the last little while there. They're 30, 11, and 8. Um, so certainly not in the position they were last year at this time, which I'm sure they'll take all day. I, I don't think anybody would want to be, uh, you know, where Dallas, uh, excuse me, Detroit or Ottawa are right now. But hey, crazier things have happened. Look at last year. Uh, I think Colorado, though, is going to come out of the, uh, the Central this year. Uh, I think they will make a big push at the trade deadline to bring somebody in. Uh, whether it is, uh, you know, a star talent up front offensively uh, or whatever it might be, just maybe bolstering uh, their depth, whatever. Uh, I truthfully think they're a team that, that is now finally healthy after losing Ranton and losing Landeskog. You know, they're finally all coming together, getting the chemistry, getting their line set, Kadri stepping into the role and proving that he can be a, a, a talent, uh, you know, a, a player, excuse me, to watch out for as well. So, They've got four or five guys on that team that you need to watch out for, and it's it's tough because you can only play so many guys at once, and you know you can't leave many guys open out there because they're gonna put the the puck in the back of the net. But you know, again, I think that could be a team that we need to watch out for. And then last but not least, uh, trying to be unbiased as possible here, I have the Edmonton Oilers coming out of the Pacific. Um, right now, they are tied in games. Uh, they're they're second in the Pacific right now. Titan games played with Vancouver, who's first. They, they have 58 points. Edmonton has 57. As I said, 57 points tied with uh, Calgary, Vegas, and Arizona. However, Edmonton has two games in hand uh, of Vegas, Arizona, and, and one game in hand of Calgary. I just, I feel when it comes down to it, I, I truthfully feel that it's going to be 1-2 Edmonton-Vegas. I, I feel Vegas is going to make a very strong push. They have a great team, and, and I think, you know, as weirdly enough, uh, after the firing of, of, of their coach, Gallant, last week, which was a very, very weird timing, um, I think they're the type of team that they've already rallied once around the fact of, hey, nobody ever thought we could, you know, win 
25 games in their first year. Nobody thought they could win the, you know, make it the playoffs. Nobody thought they'd make the cup final, right? Like it goes on and on and on what they were able to accomplish as a team. That is something that those players can never forget. And it's so crucial for the development. Of a lot of those players to the increase uh, uh, of their confidence, of their skill set, of their beliefs. Like, I mean, it goes on and on and on. So Vegas is one of those teams that I'm concerned with if I'm an Oilers fan, because they're, they're a very good team. They have very good players. Um, they don't necessarily have the sexiest superstars, but you know, they do have players like Mark Stone and Jonathan Marshall, so William Carlson, players that could put the puck in the net. Uh, a guy named Mark Andre Fleury, who by the way has won a few cups over in Pittsburgh. It's it's one of those things where you could see flip either way. Um, Edmonton and Vegas have two games uh, against each other to finish the season, which I believe are going to be extremely crucial head to head hockey games. Um, and we'll see what happens there. So those are my four projections to win the division. Again, Atlantic, I have Boston. The Metro, I have Pittsburgh. Central, I have Colorado. And out of the Pacific, I have Edmonton winning. Final segment here. Let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Tampa Bay is going to be my good today. Um, as I said, they had that 10-game win streak. Uh, they've jumped basically um, from up to second in the Atlantic. Um, basically, that's good for, I believe, fourth in the East now. Um, again, like I said, it's you can't speak enough of having a team like that clicking on all cylinders. With the offense that they have, with the players that they have, it, it's scary for especially the goalies i would say uh but it's scary for other teams when they when they're when they're moving their feet and and moving the puck because they do it with the best of them obviously driven in the top line by point stamkos and kucherov who arguably haven't had the sexiest season in terms of offensive numbers but like i said starting to click now they're getting healthier again i know tyler johnson was out a little bit there um it's so it's it's one of those things where you know, obviously, I think a lot of people were saying, oh, they're playing bad, they're not playing good, they're they're not, you know, living up to expectation, you know, whatever it might be. They're healthy now. I, I think they were, they were always sticking around. They were never out of it by any means, um, especially didn't it didn't help to going overseas. I know that's obviously going to set you back into the season before you can really get things going, get your legs going, get comfortable. So that's one thing. Um but like I said, I, I don't think anybody was expecting Tampa Bay to just drastically fall off. They're way too talented for that to happen. So um, watch out for that team. And like I said, I, I think they're going to give a big run in for Boston in the Atlantic to, to finish the season. But uh, that's a scary team to look out for if they got hot at the playoffs because they got cold in the playoffs last year. And uh, Columbus gave them uh, a shit kicking, to say the least, once uh, once they figured it out. So um the bad this week uh or this episode is going to your toronto maple leafs um i touched on the morgan riley injury i touched on the other injuries to mikhaev uh and obviously to uh to uh their back end and, and even with muzzin being out it's they're a depleted hockey team right now and, and it's one thing to have to rely on players to come in but it's another thing to have to rely on players who are very inexperienced in the nhl to jump into extremely important minutes and extremely important games at the time of the year so that's uh that's something the Leafs are they're in for 
uh, quite the wake-up call to say the least because I think it's going to be a, a very, very frustrating uh, next month or two for them if they don't figure it out. If they if they can't keep Anderson uh, from getting 30, 35 shots a game, they're not getting many more wins uh, than they are right now. And if they're going to play 500 hockey for the rest of the season, they're going to find themselves out of the playoffs this season. So it's interesting. I, I'm interested to see what happens. And, you know, as an Oilers fan, I love it. But um, it, it's uh, it, it's it's scary as a Leaf fan, to say the least. And I'm sure that uh, they're they're getting ready to, ready to start the fire anytime soon. So um, moving on, lastly here, we got the ugly. And as I said earlier in this podcast, when I talked about the Kachuk and Cassian incident, I said that was ugly. Um, and, you know, G- George Perros in the NHL, like I said, you've opened up a can of worms when it comes to this incident because it is now very open as to what you are trying to classify as a clean hit and a dirty hit. And I think there's a lot of players around the league that will take Zach Cassian's side or did take Cassian's side in in the fact of, hey, I'm going to handle this by myself. And I'm very concerned. I'm not concerned, but it it basically just puts into the point where people are sitting here saying, oh, get rid of fighting, get rid of these guys, get rid of... Well, this is the exact reason why you don't have to get rid of players that can fight. I'm not sitting here saying you got to have a bunch of players that only are out there just to fight because that will not happen. That will not ever happen again in the league because it just simply won't. They won't be able to keep up. They won't be able to play. My point is, is your guys like Tom Wilson and Ryan Rees and, you know, even the Milan Lucic's of old are extremely important to, to these dressing rooms and are crucial crucial players to keeping a lot of these players safe and to have the bullshit happen like Matthew Kachuk running around and hitting guys and and giving cheap shots to Cassian and you know god forbid he does it to another player in the upcoming future it's going to open up a lot for the NHL and I I don't want to start seeing these players run around and taking cheap shots and not have to account for themselves so I'm very nervous because basically what that tells me is you're going to have a lot of players running at other star players and I'm curious to see January 29th when the Oilers and the Flames play again what happens because I'm not convinced that Matthew Kachuk's going to own up to it and fight Cassian nor do I think that he has to however I I will say that I do believe there is a bit of an edge on the Oilers to make a point to that to um Cassian or to uh to Matthew Kachuk excuse me that they have his back and I think it's going to be a fun game to watch I don't necessarily think it's going to be gruesome bloody fighting all over the place but I'd be very curious to see exactly how these teams react to to what happened and to see which team, uh, you know, to see if, if Calgary does have Matthew Kachuk's back in this sense that, hey, you know, that's old school hockey and, and you know, you didn't really own up to it. Like I said, he doesn't have to, but sometimes you just want a guy to just say, hey, you know what, I own up to it. Let's put this to rest type of deal, right? But, hey, 
that's NHL these days, and that's what that what's what the NHL wants these days. They want pure hockey talent. They want skill. They want the fast game, and with the fast game comes quick decisions. With quick decisions, unfortunately, come chance of injury, chance of poor decisions. So um, they're gonna have to live with that and what happened there, and and see what happens in it on the 29th when the uh, Oilers and the Flames take uh, to the ice in uh, Battle of Alberta. So. Uh, interesting to see I'm excited to say the least and I hope something doesn't happen but I also hope too that uh, that it wasn't uh, a one-off from Cassie or from Kachuk's end and and I I would like to see uh, you know some sort of retribution uh, in that but I'm not expecting it nor do I nor do I hope it happens but um, I just hope the Oilers get a win how about that let's stay on top of the flames and and we'll go from there uh, let's sign out from episode number seven thanks again for listening please drop any comments any suggestions whatever to me uh, or if you want anything I could talk about let me know uh, be be happy to look into it so thank you again everybody have a great day